You're listening to Solar Insiders, a fortnightly update on the ins and outs of the solar industry and what it means for consumers. With Renew Economy's editor, Giles Parkinson, and leading solar industry veteran, Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by SunWiz, the creators of the powerful PV cell software, and Solar Analytics, suppliers of intelligent solar monitoring. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of Solar Insiders. My name is Giles Parkinson and I'm the editor of Renew Economy. One step off the grid and the Driven EV website, which is all in the news at the moment. And we'll talk about that later. But first, I do have to introduce my co-host, Nigel Morris from Solar Analytics. Uh, Nigel, how are you? Giles, uh, uh, could not be better. Honestly, could not, could be, not better. be better. Really? No, no, no. Oh, I'm excited. Okay. You know, smart energy weeks out of the way. We're back on the back on the uh, tools again. Back on the Stuff's tools again. Going on. You know. It's did great. you get out of the? Did it's you great. get out of the smart energy week and the smart energy conference in one piece? I did. You know, um, we had to being, think about that one, didn't you? <laughs> being of the older generation, Charles, I was a little bit wise on one of the two nights. And um, so, yeah, I, I um, you know, it's a long, hard three-day slog, but um, tremendous fun. Um, you know, at our age, you've got to remember to temper your enthusiasm a little bit and, you know, get a good night's sleep and, you know, come back and do it all over again the next day. Yeah, you've also got to remember to put earplugs in because at the first night I went to, which was a pretty good one, I've got to say, the solar cutters, I love you to bits, but please turn down the music. Yeah, I'll second just that. My a ears little were, bit. It's my ears a, were ringing up. Well, my ears were ringing. And look, word has it, Nigel, that you were actually going to make a bit of a presentation, but, um, um, but it didn't happen because there was just too much music going on. Well, I did give a little, I gave a very, I think the shortest speech I've ever given in my life. I think it was, you know, all of 60 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so I did get to give a little speech and, you know, wish everyone well. Um, but uh, yeah, no, what a, what a great event. Uh, 250, maybe 300 people at that. So that was yes. huge. Yes, indeed. Absolutely. Yeah. And look, um, it's amazing they found time to do so because, um, oh, look, just, um, I'll just talk about the latest data that's come out from um, Sunwiz um, and Warwick Johnson's outfit, who mm-hmm. are a, um, another sponsor of this podcast. And uh, we'll, we'll just get to that in a minute. I'll just tease that one a little bit. But um, mm-hmm. the rest of the Smart Energy Conference was um, looked pretty interesting. A lot of interesting stuff going there. Too much to actually for us to follow up. And we're going to be writing about sort of the various um, presentations um, we saw or caught a glimpse of or whatever over the next couple of weeks. But um, as, as what was, usual, What was the highlight turnout. for you, mate? What was the highlight? What was the best thing you learned? Oh, now you've put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> the I can't really remember. Put, you can't remember. While you're thinking about it, I read a little thing that someone did the other day that said the best thing about it for... It was Ian Giddis, actually. He did a lovely little post about his trip to the conference and said that the thing that inspired him the most was going to all these presentations and despite all the rhetoric, despite everything that's going on out in the industry or in the wider political sphere, he just listened to presentation after presentation after presentation of solutions and people who have ideas and can see where the industry is going to be in one year, three years, five years, ten years. You can see it happening and it's not another pilot scheme here, a pilot scheme, there's actually stuff happening and people full of ideas and enthusiasm and motivation and I thought that was such a nice way to sum the whole thing up. That's actually a really good point too. And um, you know, talking about solutions to the to, to, for the future, I'm actually really looking forward to the day someone builds a uh, conference center with a PowerPoint, and uh, <laughs> you can actually plug a laptop in. Because I spent most of my time just trying to sort of um, looking for PowerPoints, know, looking yeah. for PowerPoints is quite ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But look, 
Getting on to um, getting on to the latest news. So Sunwiz came out with their monthly data, yeah. and um, look, it is monthly data, so we do. But look, we just keep on beating records. Now this time it's 182 megawatts. That's the mostest ever of rooftop solar sub 100 kilowatts in a single in a single month since the um, since the uh, since the year dot. Um, Warwick notes that it's about um, 45% or one third of the total installed capacity in 2015-2016. I think I think I got the years right. Um, more than the accumulated capacity um, of all installations up to and including 2010. So think about that. That's just one month, okay? So yeah. it's sort of, you know. Yes. Um, and, of course, um, the star performer was um, once again Victoria. In fact, Victoria, of course, and we've talked about this on many occasions about their solar subsidy scheme, plus some of the controversy and some of the, um, the safety measures and some of the restrictions it's putting on them and some of the controversy. But, look, it's... Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, for obvious reasons, it's it's been you know a huge attraction to consumers so much so that they're going to have to put a cap on it for this financial year, and uh, basically there's only a few left. So um, um, that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. It is, and you know um, we'll we'll get on to crap solar and some of the shenanigans going on out there in the market at the moment. But you know there's yes, no you've, doubt you've, you've got a, you've got a great exclusive story. If everyone's oh, listening, cr- we have got an absolute cracker. We'll got a you cracker, just said that. but you know, <laughs> let's say but, cracker fourth time. <laughs> But, you know, um, whether it's what we're seeing on social media or what we're seeing through business circles or indeed what we learnt at the conference, um, new entrants are bound, Giles. There are just new companies starting up left, right and centre. Now, just because they're a new company doesn't make them bad. Um, there are some actually really terrific new companies entering and new businesses starting up, which is which is great. Um, but there are also um, a, a number of um, scurrilous uh, opportunistic, um, you know, um, sharks just moving in for the kill on the rebates, and that's very disappointing. But we'll come back to that later. We will come back to that. Yes, absolutely. Look, I just want to move on to something else that sort of came out this week, and um, this was a um, an exclusive obtained by Renew Economy um, that got a drop on an email and some correspondence between the Queensland Government and the Clean Energy Council. And this is about these new restrictions being put in there in Queensland, which basically means that only um, Sparkies, qualified electricians, can actually handle any rooftop, any sorry, any solar panels on an installation now that could be a utility scale um, ground mounted solar thing or a rooftop solar thing of 100 kilowatts or more mm. um, this is pretty controversial stuff because um, yes we do need to have qualified electricians there um, no we don't necessarily want sort of you know um, backpackers in there on the cheap and not doing a very good job mm-hmm. but the idea of having a fully qualified electrician to actually just sort of you know stack and put um and mount um, panels uh, on fittings, etc. Et it's not a good use of resources. It's not a good re- use of resources, and a bit of controversy going on there. What's um, what's your take on it, Nigel? Yeah, look, I mean, you know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about the trip I did to SA, and I, I, you know, the farmer looked at there. There was seventeen thousand panels off the top of my head. Uh, uh, those seventeen thousand panels have got to be unpacked from boxes, um, un- unpacked from pallets, uh, carried around, and um, put onto frames. And it's pretty basic stuff. You do not need an electrician to do that. What you need is an electrician to come through and ensure that the electrical connections are done right, to make sure there's no damage being done. Just like in other any other industry, you have you know a, a hierarchy of skilled and uh, highly skilled and less skilled people to perform different functions. 
functions and why um, they um, why, why suddenly the solar industry is being targeted as being an exception to that I don't know it seems ludicrous to me especially on the large-scale stuff um, and and even some of the large-scale rooftop stuff there is an enormous amount of work that is just lugging you know and it's a great opportunity for less skilled people it's a great opportunity even for apprentices who need to learn the ropes and need to climb up that ladder and do some of the grunt work while they're getting used to how to you know move on a roof or, or work around a solar farm and it's a perfect opportunity for them and it allows us to keep costs down so you know I think it's um I think it's a pretty it's a pretty dumb move really yeah look it looks like a classic case of overreach a bit like the sort of the standards that were sort of um introduced for um for household batteries um interesting i'm just looking here at a press release that came this afternoon from the electrical workers union Mm. um they're defending it of course Uh, Mm -hmm. i'm not too sure whether they're sort of more concerned about a closed shop um you know they're downplaying the impact of it but geez it's getting pretty hard to build solar farms at the moment not only do you have these things which can sort of add considerably to costs and a lot of the solar farm developers and even the contractors were completely unaware when we published our story a lot of people getting phone were ringing us up and sending us email and text messages saying have you got a copy of these new reg- regulations and they're looking oh. at it and they're going oh my god you've got to be kidding me this is a deal breaker for us breaking so, news on the renewal economy um anyway but um look that that sort of adds to the whole problems about you know marginal loss factors um you know connection issues and delays mm. with sort of network agreements and mm. um, all sorts of things you know this is all adding risk um that actually adds to finance costs and we've probably seen what well, we won't actually see but we'll just sort of hear about vaguely equity calls and some of the investors in the solar farms so look things are getting mm. pretty messy out there at the moment and a little mm. bit hard and a lot harder than they should be and um, I'm just wondering if there's some sort of theme here with a bit of conspiracy theory to develop or whatever like that but um, I guess it, what it probably tells us is that really um, you know it would have um, this would have been a lot smoother if there's a lot, bit more planning going on beforehand. Yeah, and I think, you know, rather than the, you know, the unions have done some good things, um, but rather than the AMWU just jumping in over the top of this whole issue, I mean, talking to people in the industry about it and understanding exactly what's involved in a solar farm rather than just reacting. um, And, you know, I think there's an opportunity for some discussion here about the type of work that's involved. And, you know, you don't need a tradesperson to put up a a fence. You don't need a tradesperson to, um, uh, to dress. 10 k's of cables through conduit um, and so on and so on and so on there are plenty of opportunities there for less skilled people and um, you know I think uh, I think the AMW might need to um, might need to sit down around the table with some of these large developers and talk about it if there's room for safety improvements I'm all for it but let's not cripple the industry on the way through. I think the um, union here is actually the electric, Electrical Trades Union, the ETU, just to be um, specific oh, about that, but good. that's okay. Thank you. Yes, um, but look, it's going to be interesting. To see this, these things are supposed to come in in May 13 and don't seem to have been changed despite some sort of consultation between the industry and the peak body in mm. late December. So the um, the peak body sounds um, pretty um, pretty dark about it. Um, mm. And if this comes in on May the 13th, that's going to provide some interesting things for the contractors and the developers. And we've just seen a whole bunch of things happen, you know, with things like um, RCR Tomlinson um, blew yep. up. Um, yep. 
uh, basically because of its solar business. Now, we don't know whether that was it was its own fault or the connection problem's fault or over-eagerness from the regulators or the um, inability of the networks to move forward or a combination of everything above. I quite fancy the latter. But look, um, I think, you know, I think it's getting pretty difficult out there anyway. But um, anyway, mm-hmm. now look, um, let's get on to this other fascinating story. Now, you sort of, you sent me this um, audio the other day <laughs> And it was purported to set, it, purport, it purported to be from the representative of a national retailer, a, a company selling solar panels, mm-hmm. that was ringing up an installer because this mob had actually sold a whole bunch of installations, and you're yep. going to tell me more about the size of this stuff, but hadn't actually organised to actually install them anywhere and was basically <laughs> out there sort of seeking a quite... I actually listened to it, and I actually thought it was a bit of an April Fool's joke because... <laughs> I just couldn't believe these it's two so the way surreal. they were talking. Oh, wait until it you is, listen to episode it two, is, mate. It is oh, really... My goodness. <laughs> oh, my God. It was just completely surreal. Now, look, we can't actually replay this because I'm not too sure about the source of the recording and anything like that. Mm. Uh, so let's protect but, the innocent. We won't, so let's we protect won't, the innocent. Uh, we won't look, play it. But. And we can't actually name the parties. But, Nigel, no. just fill us in what happened, yeah, why, so, and what's wrong with it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, so what happened was... You've got 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> what happened was um, uh, there was a solar installer who got a call from, as you say, a sales company who had purportedly sold um, a bunch of solar systems from interstate um, into a different state. Um, they had 500 sales that were done. The deposits were in the bag. Um, his team had been very, very busy. And um, what he was explaining to this installer was, look, we sold all these and this is our standard thing. We sell them and then we try and find installers. And by selling them first, they can then go to installers and say, look, mate, I've got 500 or 1,000 installs for you to do. So you've got to give me a really, really good price. And you know, they, that's how they negotiate the price down. So they do the sale quite often without having any installers lined up. And, and this conversation... As you said, Giles, it was surreal to listen to. It felt like it was an April Fool's joke, and it was not an April Fool's joke. This is the reality of what is actually going on out in our industry. This is sales 101 at the bottom end of the market, where these um, companies, and this particular guy explained how um, he has a little team, he's worked for a number of different sales organisations, um, but is kind of quasi-independent now, and basically bounces around between lead generation companies that may or may not be in Australia, and sales companies that may or may not be in Australia, taking leads, turning them into conversions, door knocking, doing whatever they have to do to close them, getting deposits off people, and then they madly run around and try and find installers. And this is this is this is what um, uh, unexpecting consumers who buy cheap solar are often getting. They're getting a company of this ilk who really, you know, may not actually be able to install the system. And as they dug deeper and deeper and deeper into the story, um, um, it became clear that it was all about price. Um, You know, he did talk about how he really wanted to do things from a quality perspective, but couldn't decide whether he wanted the absolute lowest price or the absolute best quality. And they're uh, mutually exclusive in the vast majority of cases. And and episode two just goes in deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into the supply arrangements and all those kinds of things. So it was it was incredibly revealing for, for, for two reasons, I think. One is because it's an admission by someone who's obviously doing a fair bit of volume out there that when they take someone's deposit in under this type of sales scheme, there is 
a, pro- a probability, a potential that they may not ever get their stuff installed. And secondly, it is all about price. It is purely about driving the price down and, and everyone's playing games with each other to try and drive the, drive the price down. So, um, you know, it really highlighted to me um, how, um, how shitty the shitty parts of our industry are, Giles. I was actually going to swear earlier on in this podcast and I decided not to, but I'm glad you have. Um, <laughs> and we haven't even talked about Tony Abbott yet. We can swear about him. Oh, but we, oh, but we will, we will, we will. Hey, look, but, just to, but just to clarify on, on, this, um, on this, um, this, this national sales organisation, so we're just talking about small-scale rooftop um, things or are they actually yep. into commercial-sized projects uh, as well? No, predominantly residential. There was talk of some small commercial stuff, but I, the, the, the context, I think, was that, um, and in fact, in some conversations I had with some of the people involved, um, we think that the the small commercial jobs were just being dangled there as as um, as oh, carrots, okay. yeah. uh, and the rates the rates they were offering for you know commercial jobs were just abhorrent. Yeah. Um, yes, they're kind of not far off the kind of dough that a decent residential job would be required to to, to pay for for uh, for a good tradespeople, um, mm. and certainly not the kind of and- money that you would pay to get a good commercial job done. Absolutely. Look, it's probably worth sort of reminding listeners, um, particularly those sort of curious about buying solar and things like that, um, of what we said in previous episodes. And one of the things that you've mentioned from your previous stories about this is one of the good questions to ask someone who does talk to you over the phone or comes door knocking is ask them if they've got the um, CEC accreditation. Mm-hmm. Um, that usually sort of puts a stop to the conversation if they're a bunch of charlatans. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess in the, this instance, you could probably actually ask for sort of details about who's going to install it. Because if you just get some sort of random over there, so sort of saying, just make, make the clarification, who's going to install it now they're qualified? Mm-hmm. Um, can you think of any other questions that should be asked? Well, there's a whole um, there's a whole a list uh, that you're going to publish on your website soon, I think, which oh, is uh, not just top ten tips, right? Oh, not just uh, top ten tips. What's happened to that? Got it. Look, sitting in the inbox somewhere, mate. Get no, that can, up there. can I actually can I actually share with you a deep dark secret? <laughs> um, and and sure share with my listeners. Okay, listeners just, just get just yourself just, a cup of tea for a minute. We'll be finished in a minute. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. Change gears. What's the secret? Else you need to Fill do. me in. No, I'm not going to tell you actually. Oh. But, um, <laughs> I just we'll realised that's really too embarrassing. We'll get um, um, no, but there's a perfectly good reason. Well, no, it's not a good reason, but it is a reason. It's <laughs> a valid a reason. reason. It's not a good reason. There's a reason why I haven't actually published that, and um, I'm going to get it down published and to this week. But I think I've said that in the last couple of podcasts. But. Yeah. Um, Gee, this is embarrassing. Um, by the time you hear this podcast, listeners, this top 10 list of tips will be up and published on the One Step Off The Grid website, so I can guarantee Excellent. that. If not, Excellent. please file a formal complaint. While I'm on about that, actually, while I'm on about that, I want to int- actually introduce a bit of a new um, a new thing on our podcast, too. If there's oh. any sort of reader's questions coming oh, in. Oh, now you've got me on the hop. Oh, I know, no, no, I know. Did I, didn't we talk about this beforehand? Um, reader's questions, you know. Uh, oh, good. You know, Excellent. Just some of the basic stuff about solar panels. You know, how do I tell if they're not working? Um, Well, buy buy your product products, um, and get some a solar monitoring device. Um, You know, things. How often do I need to clean them? Do I need to clean them at all? Mm. All of these sort of basic stuff. I think might be interesting to do. But um, anyway, but what do we do about readers' questions? Sales office. Then readers' questions. Great idea, Giles. I'm just trying to deflect from your top 10 list, actually. Um, what do we do about these national sales people who don't actually have an install, installers? We just we, we, we just be wary? Look, 
that's a really good question, Giles. And I actually sat down to write a letter to the ACCC today on a couple of issues related to this because there was also a, um, there was also an announcement from ACMA today um, that I saw posted on Facebook uh, by Kane Thornton, actually. Um, and it was a solar... You're going to com- tell me who ACMA is? ACMA is the Australian Communications and Media Authority. Oh. And they announced that they will seek to penalise a call centre and a solar company for breaching the requirements of the Do Not Call Register. And um, this, this isn't the first time it's happened. Um, it's the first time for this particular, these two particular companies. Um, interestingly, when I did some digging around, because I love this kind of stuff, and you go, ah, what's the background here? Who are the companies involved? When I started digging around, I found out that the company, um, the call centre company, um, uh, has already deregistered itself, interestingly. So obviously, you know, it's just thrown the towel in. Um, so we expect to see them um, Phoenix uh, pretty soon, I would guess. Um, and interestingly, I also saw that their other trading name was, um, I forget the exact one, but it was some type of nail salon. So presumably they might be going back to the nail salon business instead of being in the call center business. And, you know, they might go back to doing fingernails. I don't know. But what this highlights really, all of these issues highlight a couple of things for me. One is we've got lots of new entrants coming into the into the industry because it's so hot at the moment. Two, we've got rebates um, in, in existing states, new ones slated for New South Wales and, and other places potentially coming in. We may have a change in government um, if the current government keeps opening its mouth um, uh, because then they'll just hand it uh, Stephen, Stephen, what's his name, style? Bradbury? No, the ice skating guy. What's his name? Yes, um, Steve Bradbury. Yes, <laughs> I'm, I'm not, yes, um, yeah, a bit confused about that. But anyway, we can talk about that one. <laughs> you know, the Labor Party is just going to slide through on it to ask if they keep their mouth shut. I think, but that's the second time I swear. Apologies, listeners. But uh, so we've got we've got you know everything in place for for um, sales companies for call centres. Um, that aren't doing the right thing and aren't abiding by ACMA's rules. We've got opportunities abounding all over the place. And in fact, I was looking at a couple of companies today doing some due diligence and went, mm, actually, that claim on your website is not true. That's completely false. And, and, you know, two minutes of background checking would reveal that to be false. So I looked at someone's business card that they gave me at the conference and I thought, mm, well, you're claiming to be this, but actually I can look on a registry and you are not that. So... Um, I don't, I don't know what we do about it, Giles. And I actually jumped around and looked around and, and, and sort of thought, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to make a complaint. This is false and misleading advertising. I'm just going to go straight to the source. And when you try to do that, you go around and around and around and around in circles. It is very, very difficult to actually make a complaint about false and misleading advertising in any industry, let alone ours. It's easy if you're a consumer and you, or easier if you've lost money or if you've been ripped off or something has already happened or you've taken someone to court and have got nowhere, then there is a process that you can follow. But if you simply see a business making an outrageous false claim, um, whether you be a consumer or a business, there is almost nowhere to go to put that up and say, these guys are lying. Look, 
you should do something about that and challenge them. There is not a resource in place that is geared up to handle the flood of inquiries that they would get. And and frankly, I think that's one of the biggest failings of our entire industry. Of, of our, of our, it's not the it's not our industry. It's the it's the regulators um, that manage business regulation here. It, it's it just it's so easy, Giles. It's a travesty. It drives us drives everybody crazy. So I don't know what the solution is, but I'm going to talk about it with good people I know. I'm going to keep working on it because we need a solution to filter out some of this muck. Absolutely. Well, look, rant, you know, I think some, over, some of the... Oh, no, no, it was a good rant. It was a good rant. I'll, I'll give that to my max. Um, um, no, look, but, but your point about, I mean, the industry, you know, we live, in, we live in a country where many industries are sort of, you know, oligopolies or monopolies or whatever, and just the sort of the regulatory standards and the pricing supervision is really quite ordinary. I mean, they make a big mm. deal of some of the interventions they do make, but for goodness sake, you know, we all just sit there and every day we just see stuff and you just say, oh, you've got to be kidding me. And, um, you know, yeah. um, the energy industry has been a particular easy. example. Um, you know, particularly we've seen that in the wholesale markets. I mean, one of the reasons why prices have gone up so dramatically in the last couple of years, um, you know, previously it was because of network costs and the gold plating, and the last few years has been because of increased wholesale costs. And everyone knows that's because of the, you know, the price yep. is being bid up by the existing, you know, market power. Yep. But um, the regulations you know, allow it. They're not doing anything. Well, illegal. the regulators don't do anything about it. And, and one of the laughable mm. things is, is that even when there's sort of obvious signs or sort of, you know, sort of dodgy behaviour going on the regulator is actually not allowed to go and interview the traders involved mm. it's against the rules the regulator is not wow. allowed to you know it's just astonishing so um, it doesn't surprise me that at this much lower level where you got sort of you know dodgy brothers going around sort of selling stuff that there's basically um, no one for people to turn to and um, I think that's a real pity it is a real pity but you know one thing I do want to say to the listeners and um, you know we have a huge variety of different people who listen um, in we met heaps of them at the show actually you dragged a couple over and forced me to give them free t-shirts if I recall oh, correctly look I, so I, was, the, I was actually going to try and sort of say why don't you sell them but our, tri- um, our trip to the Bahamas think, um, is down the drain mate because you know we're just giving them away at the moment we, <laughs> we gave away I think 100 t-shirts at the show to enthusiasts hundred t-shirts. Yeah, we did, yeah. My yeah. God, that's that's a return ticket to the Bahamas. Oh, I know. <laughs> the, the business plan's out the window, but we're going to have a good time. But you know, the thing the the thing that I want to say to the wide variety of listeners, and I know some of the people from government listen, and we have regulators, and I know some of the folks at the ACCC listen. I've met some of them, and they wanted a t-shirt too. So we got all sorts of people listening, and and the one thing that I also want to say is that which, which regulator all- wanted a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I've already got one in the post, don't worry. Um, the, the one thing that I wanted to say is this. We talk a lot about the problems be- and, and, and the issues and we try to call those out because they exist. They're real. We're not trying to hide behind the problems. We're not trying to, to pretend they don't exist. And, and it is important to call them out and it is important to debate them and it is important to work out how to address them and how to solve them. And, and w- when I was thinking about this today and, and last week at the Smart Energy event, and I was thinking about the Solar Cutters event, and the little speech that I gave was really around this same theme, and that is this, Giles. It's that no matter who you are, no matter what you do in the industry, the great thing about this industry is there is passion to make solar better. Enormous, enormous, unwavering, sometimes virulent 
passion to make solar better. And that is the wonderful thing about our industry. And, and, and I just don't want to leave everyone, um, anyone out there um, thinking that if they've listened to this podcast, they can go and, you know, talk to a media outlet and go, yeah, see, we told you solar's crap. Um, there is some crap solar. There's no doubt about that. But under, underlying all of that is a core of people trying to make solar better every day and working very, very hard for it. So, um, you Absolutely. Know, good on no, all the I good agree Good, good, good. And if it and, and if that feeling is virulent, then it means it can actually spread. So that's good. Um, so uh, look from <laughs> smart just energy the co-host, right? <laughs> from smart energy to the polar opposite, dumb energy. And I'm not mm. too sure we're actually going to get through this next session without swearing. But um, electric vehicles. I mean, oh. for goodness' sake. Um, you know, we got a bit of a taste of this last week. I mean, this all just sort of spins off from the Labor target of 50% renew, um, electric vehicles by 2030. That's 50% of new vehicle sales by yep. then. So, yep. you know, that's 11 years away, blah, 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 blah. Um, my personal view is that they actually be hard. Um, I mean, one thing you can say about Labor is that they do announce targets, but they never announce targets that they'll, um, that they'll miss. Because um, it's um, you know it's um, it's usually just sort of looking at a trend and going oh okay let's do that yep and um, and and hopping on board but it's just been extraordinary the reactions from first of all Sky and then the Murdoch papers and then that has filtered all of a sudden the, the conservative politicians have gone oh my God Sky have said this the Murdoch papers have said this we've got to be just as stupid as well let's just see how stupid we can be and my God um, they've been competing pretty vigorously for the um, for the prize of the dumbest thing to be said about electric vehicles I well, mean. Um, I, 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 could I could possibly give it to Michaelia Cash, and I saw a video of her this afternoon um, saying that, um, you know, you know, just you understand me. I've got all these apprentices standing behind me and one in every two of them is going to be driving an electric vehicle by 2030. I warned you. <laughs> I'm just going, oh, my God. It's a bit like 10 years ago saying half of these people are going to be using mobile phones. Yeah. You know, I, I just, I just—it's bewildering. It's, I, I don't it's, know what's going on. I, no. I, I don't know whether we've just sort of slipped through some sort of looking glass or it was an Alice in Wonderland thing again. Um, That's what it's like. It's—it's um, it's like they've fallen down a hole and they are oblivious to what is actually going on out there in the real world. No one's saying every tradie's going to have to, you know, uh, push their bloody Hilux, Hilux off a cliff for goodness' sake. Wake up to yourselves. You know, the quote that I saw was saying, oh, you know, I think it was Abbott talking in his in his uh, little um, car park thing, talking about how the fact that there's no such thing as an EV that can tow a trailer and there's no such thing as a truck and there's no such thing as a ute, an electric ute. Well, you know, all he's got to do is open his eyes up and realise that they are here and they are starting to ev emerge as a more competitive, higher performance more sensible option for the vast majority of people out there. No one's threatening to push Hiluxes off a cliff, Tony. All they're doing is seeing where the future is. And and it was the most astounding Luddite approach. And 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 I was listening to your interview with um, the guy from Fully Charged the other week, which is a wonderful interview. Oh, Robert Llewellyn, yes. Robert Llewellyn, where he, where he said that one of the big myths they had to bust was that, you know, everyone said, well, if you use electric cars, the grid will melt. Um, and um, so they got the guys in for the national grid and, and they said, yeah, no, the grid's not going to melt. It's not a problem. It's going to be fine. And here we are 
in Australia with our politicians saying, yeah, no, the grid's going to melt. If you do EVs, the grid will melt, the grid will melt. Not just, not just, not just any old oh. politician, but the energy minister, I should point out. Indeed. The energy minister who had just um, commenting on the same day as the release of a report that his agency had commissioned, which said completely the totally opposite. But um, I do have to say, um, we often call it the Murdoch media, but um, the Sydney Morning Herald got it really badly wrong. Its front page lead today was the grid's not ready for EVs. And I picked up the report and I went, where the hell did they say that? And I talked to the report's author and he says, we have got absolutely no idea where they got that headline from and why they didn't actually report about anything that we actually included in the report. Um, and didn't even have the courtesy to talk to them about it. It was quite extraordinary. So I'm not too sure what the issue was going on there. But um, well, and the, irony, the irony, the irony, the incredible irony, the Alice in Wonderland irony of this is that the coalition has an EV policy. They're funding charging stations already. The best tweet was from that guy who said, "Oh, listen, Minister, you've actually paid for this charging station that we installed yeah. on and, your and, instructions." And, and guess what? It does actually charge in ten minutes. So <laughs> That's in right. eight minutes, in fact. Yes, That's yeah, right. just yeah. Well, the most well, incredible garbage. Well, it came out in Senate estimates that um, the um, the coalition emissions reduction policy, such as these, and it's not very not very ambitious. But even that includes an assumption of a certain amount of emissions within the transport sector, which reflects a thirty percent to fifty percent uptake of electric vehicles by twenty thirty. So effectively, de facto, they've got the same policy as Labor, and um, shh, quite extraordinary. It's a secret policy. Look, I, I don't actually know. Did you see Q&A a couple of weeks ago with that lady, Tina McQueen? From, yes, I did. Um, yes, absolute car crash of yep. a Q, Worst one ever. Q&A. Yep. Worst one ever. But it was really quite extraordinary because it just sort of showed and it revealed exactly the thinking that goes on within the party. And, you know, the Liberals tried to disown it because they actually she actually revealed what, you know, deep down they they actually say or think and it just occurred to me that they do actually live in this extraordinary bubble they pick up the murdoch papers in the morning they watch sky news all day they watch sky news all evening and then they sort of whole thing they talk amongst themselves and the whole thing just churns around again and they actually be, they actually believe this shit it's unbelievable it's um <laughs> it's, it's alice in wonderland stuff and i should point out to i should highlight to the listeners again giles that you know our, our individual political persuasion has nothing to do with this you know there's there's fools and idiots on every side of politics so this is not about us uh you know pushing a particular political persuasion all we're doing is calling out um um fools <laughs> Is well, that, it is, is. and you know, I mean, look, look, I think we are um, <laughs> fools and foolishness, yeah. and um, you know, it's just getting, it's just getting too stupid for words. Um, it's um, it's really quite extraordinary. Um, but there you go. But look, um, over in Europe, I think the Tesla three has um, beaten all sales records. It's become the best-selling electric car of any type. Um, in in the latest in in the latest stats, so um, wow. that's quite extraordinary. Um, in Norway, we're seeing 52%, I think, of all sales in the first quarter were electric, which just goes to show what happens when you, through various incentives and sort of you know tax rebates or something. Well, I think in Norway, it's a simple GST exemption and probably some you know minor registration and stamp duty um, benefits. But basically, that brings down the cost of electric vehicles, um, the upfront cost to the same as petrol cars. And at that point, it's a bit of a no-brainer. Um, but look, I guess there is a bit of an education campaign. I've just been um, hanging around um, my local area and I've had a lot of people coming up to me and just asking about um, 
you know, charging stations. Oh, we go down to Sydney mm. a couple of times a year. How are we going to charge it? And, um, you know, what happens if everyone's driving at the same time and we'll have to sort of sit in the queue and stuff like that? And mm. I'm going, well, look. There are um, some challenges. There's no, there's there are no some challenges. Some we challenges. need some infrastructure. It's, and then by yeah. the time everyone's got an EV, then there's going to be more infrastructure. But we actually do have to plan ahead, which goes, you know, right back to the theme that we talked at the start when we were talking about the solar plants, is that... Um, yeah, guys, let's try and get this right. Let's try and plan ahead and make sure that this transition um, is done properly and fairly and justly and efficiently, and that makes it lower cost. Indeed. Uh, because goodness, goodness knows in the energy transition, um, you know, it's costing a lot more than it should be. Mm. And uh, that's not the fault of the technology. That's the fault of everything else that goes around it, and it's basically sort of rules, regulations, and the culture of organisations and institutions, and um, that's really mm. important. It is, it is, and and you know, I mean, you know, speaking of cost blowouts, I see Snowy Hydro's uh, revised its cost today too. You know, which is another indication of how how tough it is doing all this stuff, right? Um, but uh, they've announced delays, and their costs now blown out to five point two billion, I think it was. Yeah, five point one billion dollars. They're trying to pretend yeah. it's not a blowout because they're using real two thousand and seventeen dollars. But um, <sighs> unfortunately, people like you and me, when we've got mortgages and other things and electricity bills. We don't get to deal in real dollars. We actually have to get to deal in sort of nominal, <laughs> well, quote unquote, real dollars. We've got to quote yeah. in a nominal value, which is the current value, and the current value of that scheme is five point one. Um, look, it's. I mean, it's a funny thing about Snowy Hydro. Um, you know, we've written a lot of reports, very critical uh, about it, and Snowy don't like us because of it. In fact, they now refuse to talk to us. Um, but um, I've, I've got a T-shirt left. Just send, send them a t-shirt that'll change their mind yeah absolutely yes they'd love to have a photo of you and possibly me or something like that um anyway something for the kids to wear to school camp or something that's right uh, probably get them beat them up beaten up but Ka- um, kathleen was actually giving me away with a picture of you'd like to sleep with giles and nigel both in the same bed at the same time oh, please don't, you take don't, this t-shirt don't, don't, no, nigel, no, i'm gonna have to edit this part out <laughs> I'm gonna have to end this part out. Anyway, look, I think um, look by the time we um, by the time we get back together in a fortnight's time, I think mm. we're going to be in full election mode. So mm, um, I'm so. not too sure whether it's possible that the um, the politics become um, more base and stupid. But um, I guess we'll find out between now and then. We and, um, maybe yeah, um, see some more flesh on some of those policies and stuff like that. But um, you know, we're, we're getting towards the denouement, as um, they say in another language, and um, you know. Um, it couldn't come quick, quickly enough, really. Mm, it's true. It's true. Meanwhile, yeah. you know, the industry's getting on with it. Stuff's happening. People are working hard. Makes solar better, Giles. Makes solar better. Look, I'd like to thank our sponsors, Solar Analytics, the provider of some excellent um, analytical software, which you should all be using if you've got solar panels and batteries and things like that, because we'll tell you what's working, when and why, and why not, and um, and to fix it. And also to Sunwiz, PV Cell from Sunwiz, and um, they've got a lot of fantastic software to help the sales of um, solar panels to customers, be they home or business. Um, that's it for now Nigel thanks very much um, great to catch up with you again um, thanks to all the listeners for choosing tuning in and um, yeah leave us a review somewhere <laughs> or not <laughs> if you're not satisfied and questions <laughs> right we're going to get some questions for let's next week let's get some questions that's yeah, a that's fine. yeah please make them easy <laughs> thanks for all of that and bye for now Solar Insiders was brought to you by SunWiz the creators of PV Cell Software 
powerful technology for solar sails and design with free high-definition rooftop imagery in every PV cell plan, retailers can stay ahead of the competition. Visit sunwiz.com.au, Australia's leading solar software. Solar Insiders is also brought to you by Solar Analytics, designers and suppliers of smart solar monitoring. Visit solaranalytics.com.au, get empowered and make the most of your home energy.